Friend, relative, parents will get into under separate cover. But almost everybody else, there's a chiv to when you see something, say something. And uh, the misconceptions that people hear, even one of these, let alone all five together, it's enough to um, have a sigh of relief and say, okay, well, I'm off the hook. And therefore, let his rov, let his rebbe, uh, let his father take care of it. And um, I will tell you from my vantage point, uh, Rabbanim might have eyes in the back of their head, and, and Rebbe and Yeshiva might have eyes in the back of his head, and the Murrah might have eyes in the back of her head. You cannot possibly help every member of Klai Yisrael or anywhere close because you don't see everything, you can't get to everybody. And the reason why Kosh Baruch Hu wrote about Ochet Ochichas Amisach and Chumash is because Amisach means your friend, meaning everybody's supposed to be taking care of everybody else. Simple things like somebody's about to say Lashon Hara in the middle of saying Lashon Hara, in the middle of texting Lashon Hara, whatever the case may be, and somebody's got to get up and say, Chain is this Ta'elis, is it not Ta'elis, I'm not too good at this either. The first disclaimer that everybody thinks is that I can't give Tochacha because I'm not perfect either. If we wait till everybody's perfect, there wouldn't be any Pasuk and Chumash. Generally, Pesukim on talking to perfect people. So the uh, Pasuk presupposes that no one's perfect and everybody's struggling with the same issues. And you still have to say something. So the disclaimer when you bring it up is, I'm not perfect, I'm not holier than thou, and I uh, struggle with this myself. And therefore, my struggle, this is what I found to be effective, let's work on this together, or something like that. You have to use your fifth shochan to try to figure out what's going to work and how to come across. The disclaimer, however, that if I'm not perfect, I can't say anything, is just simply not true, and it's a, it's a little uh, preposterous, because uh, plus it wouldn't apply to anybody. I will uh, concede the point, if you happen to be the biggest talker in shul, you sh- probably shouldn't be the shusher. Because it's, um, you know, you're going to get comments and raised eyebrows and the like, and uh, it's not the way to go. So if you're particularly not good at something, maybe let somebody else take care of it, but most people are average in most categories, and again, with the disclaimer that I struggle with this, and I, uh, I'm trying to deal with this, and maybe you can machazig me, and I'll be machazig you, that usually disarms people, unless they're super defensive, which you don't have to be um, giving disclaimers before and after, and sending gifts, and they're going to have tinas, and people are scared of all this. I don't want to lose my friends. I have very few friends anyway, and if I say this, uh, I'm going to have less friends, and people are scared of this mitzvah. This, this mitzvah is, is a tall order, but it's a parish of Pasuk. So others claim, no, today the whole mitzvah doesn't apply. The Chaznish says we don't know how to give to Chacha. That's a very well-known um, misquote to the Chaznish. Chaznish says that. He says that in the context of discussing whether a person who's not yet from is a din of a tinnik shenishba or a din of a rasha or a mummer. So he says, no, we're not that good at giving to chacha, so maybe he doesn't have a din of a rasha, that there's a mitzvah to hate him. And there's a mitzvah to, uh, talks about uh, burrs and manholes and all sorts of uh, very dangerous things which we won't discuss on the uh, public media. And Chazni says for that, he's not a rasha, maybe we didn't give to chacha properly and therefore... He's still a din of a shagig. Chaznish doesn't say that nobody has a mitzvah to give Musar and to help people out with their ruchnias. Just uh, doesn't, doesn't exist. Third disclaimer people have is that um, it's probably not going to work. He's not going to listen to me anyway, or she's not going to listen to me anyway. That's very strange. And the person, unless he's a Lamad Vovnik, is not going to say on the spot, you're right. From here on in, I'm stopping, and I'm glad you told me. Most people aren't up to that. 
Occasionally you'll have that nice response. They'll get insulted, the defense mechanism will go up and they'll start explaining and inferring and but it'll sit in their head and if you're a credible person, they might not admit it in front of you. Often they won't, but an hour later, a day later, the next time it comes up, it can make a ration. And if that's the case, uh, you're not putter either. The next line of defense is Murray says that you shouldn't tell somebody something they're not going to listen to because better they be a shaker than a mazid. That doesn't apply in most cases. First of all, usually if you're dealing with somebody from, they know the dinner already, they just need chizik. So you're not making them from a shaker to a mazid. The second part is that you have to be kemat positive. They're not going to listen. Most of the time when you give somebody mutzer, there's a chance maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe a 60-40 in the wrong direction on a good day, maybe a 70-30, but it's not 99 to 1. So just to pot yourself and say, ah, they're not going to listen anyway, and I'm going to make them into a big amazing. Again, there are cases where that applies. It's few and far between. And we're dealing with your friends. They're from people. They're credible people. They're yeshiva graduates often, or people who understood that they didn't know, and now they know. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. And with people in these categories, there is no patur. The real... Um, Misconception is, again, being pushed by the fact that it's very uncomfortable. Especially in America, we've been here a long time, unfortunately, and we're a bit brainwashed by the liberal view that, you know what, if he's not yelling fire in a place we don't want to talk about, uh, and he's not doing damage, he's not hurting anybody, so it's none of my business. So that um, attitude is the exact opposite of what the terror wants from us. And I firmly believe in many areas both Ben Amachavir and Ben Amachavir, if we fulfilled Ben Amachavir in these categories, we'd speak up more often, as uncomfortable as it is, and if it's a close friend, they'll thank you afterwards. It needs improvement. Halachic guidelines, again, are you the best person for it? If not, can you get somebody else to do it? If it's a parent, you're probably the worst person to do it, even if it wasn't the Kibbutz of M issue. Nobody likes taking most of somebody they remember in diapers in general. And um, that's understandable. So you have to find the right people who are going to do it and uh, make sure the job gets done. That's my brief uh, introduction to the Arvis issue. Are there any uh, questions from the floor on, or do you not have any examples of ever seeing anybody doing anything wrong? Ever, yes. How do you deal in a business environment where you're an employee and the employer who you're beholden to uses uh, off-color language or... It's you know, uh, a, a very good question, and it happens all the time. The good news is, Ramesha has this famous chuva about Hetar not to wear yarmulke in the office. Chuva was written many decades ago, and Baruch Hashem, if you're in the New York area, as all the working people here know, the environment has gotten a lot better because it got a lot worse. If you come into work and you don't have orange hair and are not pierced in seven faces, seven places in your face, then the boss says, "Okay, you know what? He's wearing something in his head. I can handle that." That has been a great improvement because of the lack of uh, cohesiveness in the workplace that everybody is, uh, got to thank liberals for something, because everybody is so open-minded, uh, they're willing to accept yarmulkes. If you're in an office and they do handle the yarmulkes, and the best thing is to keep it on and be most never to keep it on, because right away, often, they'll look at you as the company rabbi, whether you're a rabbi or not. And quite often, they will be a little more hesitant to say things in front of you. Even when they say things, they'll say afterwards, excuse my French, as if the French, we can blame the French for a lot of things, but this is not one of them. But the expression goes that he'll feel like a French for, okay, I said it already, but you know, I'm a little uncomfortable because you're a very religious man. Apparently, you're not hearing enough of that, or they're not as hesitant, uh, or they're used to you already. The employer is religious. 
I bet. Okay, so that's even worse. You're saying that's why there's a chiv uh, tochacha. And a friend of mine, when he was uh, first working for an accountant firm, he was in his early years working for a firm um, company, and everybody was taka. They were all bnei and they were watching their mouth. And it was uh, then he unfortunately had to leave due to salary uh, upgrade, uh, which was a necessity. And he went to uh, one of the big four firms. And uh, about a week into it, he was in his boss's office. He got a mishaber for something he didn't do wrong, but the mishaber wasn't the mishaber. Mishabarach L'chelem is all uh, wonderful language, wonderful tefillah. He did, he get it over the head, and it didn't, look, it's never comfortable to get it over the head, but the language that he heard in that one sitting was more than he heard in all his years at Yeshiva and Kail and the former place of employee. And uh, he had a very good line. I said, what'd you do? He said, after the guy finished, like 20 minutes later, he asked him if he got his point. The boss asked him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he told him, he said, I understand what you're saying, and I never quite heard it explained that way. <laughs> and the guy asked him, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, just the, you know, the, the flowery language and expression. And he, <laughs> the guy never did it again. He screamed at him plenty of times afterwards, but uh, he left out the French. Uh, so without screaming at his boss because he wanted his job, he, uh, the boss was uh, not Jewish in that particular case. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, the people who are from doing this have been working there too long. And it seeps in. These people are often people on the yeshivas. They're just so many years ago. It's, uh, it's lost. And it's very corrosive, the whole environment. And that's why you have it. So if he is from and you're not in danger of losing your job, for any mitzvah, you have to give up 150 of your assets. Losing your job is more than 150 of your assets. Chavaz Chaim says, I'm sure somebody mentioned that this weekend, that uh, to give up your job is kol han and if your boss wants to hear or participate, or have you participate in some juicy Lashon Hara, and he basically tells you, I want to hear the last 20 minutes of discussion by the water cooler, and if you tell him no, you're going to be um, at a job, you have to lose your job because Lashon Hara is a lesser say, and for lesser say, you've got to give up all your money. Foul language has many problems, but it's not an official lesser say. It's horrible for many other reasons, but you wouldn't have to lose your job. He's not asking you to say it, and listening to it is not a list I say. So one-fifth, you'd have to be Mason Efesh to put yourself in some element of danger and saying something. Often, you won't lose your job, and you won't even get necessarily a pay cut. You might not go up the corporate ladder as quickly, but you know what? If those are the chavr you're hanging around with, then maybe you shouldn't be going up so quickly. So you, sh- you, st- you should say something. Um, if it's not direct, maybe speak to somebody who's been there longer, who knows him, maybe somebody knows him from yeshiva, and there's a way to do it where it doesn't have to come from you three weeks later, and you still get the message across. But you're not part of the gamer. You just got to figure out a way to do it. So it's a good shayla, and I think that, um, is that boss still there? Because if he is, you can um, get him a copy of this uh, shear. And uh, just tell him to go to, you know, to any time, my website, whatever it is, and, you know, and uh, he'll hear it, and uh, we didn't mention any names, so he doesn't know, uh, doesn't know where I stand. Okay. He'll recognize my voice. He'll recognize your voice. Okay, we have a voice recognition program. Uh, we can alter that. Yes. Uh, I saw one more hand. Yeah. What about in-laws, brother-in-laws? Parent-in-laws. And especially if you don't think they're going to listen anyway. But so again, not that's what I'm saying. The, the, that's a, the most popular disclaimer is, ah, listen to little old me. Uh, you're not so small, but uh, <laughs> it's parents. Again, it's not your place. Somebody's got to do it. So if it's an ongoing problem, mention it to perhaps a brother-in-law, 
but law is a son of mine, uh, not a son and a daughter. I uh, had recently a case where some uh, medical treatment was needed and the parents were refusing, and they called me up. It was very, uh, it was an acute emergency, and I told them to get the son-in-law to do it because, A, there's a Xero child shouldn't be working on a parent any way they were. It's the question of getting them to the proper uh, place of treatment. But to force the issue, a uh, son-in-law or daughter-in-law should be doing it quicker than a son. So when it comes to parents, if it's a problem that's persistent, then you should get somebody else to do it. In-laws, the Mechaber says, the chiv of covered for in-laws. Shach says that it means kishar zakena ba'alma, which is a kula a lot of people love. People know that shach. They don't know any other shach, but that shach they know. It's interesting. Uh, so the shach doesn't mean, so one person misquoted the shach, and he said, the shach says there's no chi of cover just like any other older person. I said it was like any other older person, the mechaber would mention it. Why would the mechaber go out of his way to mention you had a mechaber in your in-laws, and the shach says like, kishar zakena So he means kishar zakena ba'alma, but not the way we actually treat kishar zakena ba'alma. It has to be something in between or else the whole, the shach can't be reading the machabe. That's posh, right? So it's a higher level kibbutz, not the same as parents. Uh, emotionally, in terms of the relationship, a son-in-law is usually the worst person to do it. Um, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law is even more complicated. It's, uh, women have, how do I put this politically correct, have a better memory than men. Well, let's, let's leave it like that. And with a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law, I know this from Shaila's, uh, where I daughter-in-law was coming to me and mother-in-law, with a mice that happened 26 years before that. And I said, well, what, have you been dealing with this since? And they said, yeah, they deal with it in their mind every time they see them for 26 years. They want to do something about it now. So I'm not saying men can't do that, but with a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, it's especially uh, sensitive. And uh, you have to be extra careful. And uh, you don't have a chi of this one-fifth for the mitzvah of the chi is one-fifth in money, but it's also one-fifth in, in uh, chayli. Others have tshuvas. If a person's going to get sick or they're going to get emotionally sick or it's going to be, if it's going to be fireworks to a degree that's considered more than one-fifth of your assets, it's hard to judge. I once asked somebody. He, got, he said something and he got into a terrible fight with his in-laws. And uh, I told him, you're probably putter. There's a lot of arguments. Actually had, somebody had to say it, but I, I told him, I said, you're putter if, uh, if you wouldn't spend 150 of your assets on this. 150 assets, a lot of money. So that's, uh, you have to judge accordingly and not, uh, not fool yourself. Um, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws? It's already a shava b'shava. They're the same, uh, roughly the same age. They're like anybody else, and you should be caring more for them. They should be like a, a close friend. And um, mind you, for Sneha's purposes, I've had uh, a lot of uh, difficulty. There's a misconception that goes around that uh, Sneha's is not talking to an HSC, not talking to Stama, single girl in the street, if it's not for a Tachlis. And we all know that. And for some reason, people have a strange idea that all these Yisurim are lifted when it comes to your sister-in-law or your cousin or your... Legamri not true in, any, in many ways it's more dangerous so when you're playing the role of an advice giver usually it turns into therapy sessions and things like that uh, it should not be cross gender and I say this even for a sister-in-law sometimes especially for a sister-in-law there might be exceptions be extra careful and uh, you don't have a chiv this one-fifth for the mitzvah is one-fifth in money but it's also one-fifth in in chayli uh, Others have tshuvas, if a person's going to get sick or they're going to get emotionally sick or it's going to be, if it's going to be fireworks to a degree that's considered more than 150 or assets, it's hard to judge. I once asked somebody, he, got, he said something and he got into a terrible fight with his in-laws and uh, I told him, you're probably putter. There's a lot of arguments. Actually had, somebody had to say it, but I, I told him, I said, you're putter if, uh, if you wouldn't spend 150 or assets on this. 
150, yes, that's a lot of money. So that's, uh, you have to judge accordingly and not, uh, not fool yourself. Um, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws? It's already a Shavah B'Shav. In general, Kirov and Ochet Achiyach, you've got to make sure that you're taking care of all the eventual Tzniyas uh, possibilities as well, and it should be uh, preferably gender-specific. Okay. Um, Let's go on to, you know, once we started with the Kibbutz of Aim, I want to touch on a few things because uh, most people here are either children or parents. And um, to go to all of the Kibbutz of Aim is not the venue now, but I want to touch upon the ones that are uh, very uh, emotionally difficult. And there are two sifrim I'd like to start with. since Simon uh, Reish Mem. Siv Gimel. Arhechen Maram. This is a fair Shagamaram. How far does Maravim go? Kibbut Avim Maravim. Kibbut is to chabed them, to help them. And Marav is not to be seisid devreim and not to do things that are that are bizayin to them, obviously. Arhechen Maram. Hayaben lovish chamudus v'yeshe b'reish hakol. Son was sitting, myself in the Gemara, where he was sitting with the Roman senators. He was a guy, and he practiced Kibbut Avim in an incredible way. They came and they ripped his clothing and they uh, hit him on the head and they spit at him. What should your reaction be? So the Mechaber Paskin is based on the Gemar. Don't embarrass them back. Don't scream. Don't yell. Have Yerushalayim and accept the Gzairus HaKosuf. Now, the Mepharshim are clear that if they're about to do it, the follow-up example in the Mechaber later is they're about to uh, take your wallet, you're on the deck of a ship, in a cruise, a very Tzniyazdika cruise, which doesn't exist, and you're on the deck, and comes over, pulls your wallet out, and throws it overboard. So after you threw it overboard, the Allah says you could take it to a dentera, but you can't stop screaming and yelling, as most people do. Ta, what are you crazy? Why'd you do that? If he didn't throw it overboard yet, then there's a Shailah, can you ask for it back nicely? Of course, can you grab it out of his hand? You have to do it in a way where it's not going to be an altercation. And um, this is a tall order. We all know the Gemara, you see it in the Mechaber. Like most people say, I don't know, I, the deck of a ship, I would probably want to take him and throw him overboard, which would be other serious Shailahs. Have a reaction, somebody's Mavazi Barabim, somebody just took your assets and threw it overboard and to become cool and collective. But the Mechaber says you have to. Have more Yerushalayim than your immediate uh, emotional reaction. Have a reaction, somebody's Mavazi Barabim, somebody just took your assets and threw it overboard and to become cool and collective. But the Mechaber says you have to have more Yerushalayim than your immediate uh, emotional reaction. There's a lot written on this because um, therapists deal with this all the time. And you have to have a therapist that's a Benteyer, a firm lady who ask Shaitlis and has uh, their head focused on what Das Tehri is together with the emotional uh, issues. And on the one hand, the Mechaber is quite clear that you have to accept the Ba'ava of the Gzeir Sekosov. On the other hand, if this happens over and over and over again, the child might grow up very, very not well adjusted in terms of the abuse that's going on. And on the, again, the dichotomy over here from what uh, usually you sit down not anybody here, but you sit down to therapy, and I've heard quite often, not from people who are seeking das terror, 
heard quite often people uh, immediately trace it back to their upbringing and their parents are horrible and they did this to them, that to them, and that's why they're so mixed up and that's why they have anger issues, which might all be true. But to blame everything on parents and then they go and blame it on the grandparents and they, it, whether it's true or not, the Mahabra is talking about a case where the guy suffered severe embarrassment and abuse and the Mahabra Paskins, the reaction is to be Michael, if you can't be Michael in your lay, but certainly not react right away. And it's a tall order for people, but the Mahab is not talking to Lama Dvavnik, he's talking to, uh, to regular people. Is there a situation where if you know this is going to happen again, so you avoid the situation? Can you stop them? You could stop them. The question is how loud you can be to stop them. These are complicated questions. It's important to realize that despite the, the pop culture, it's not just a reaction of, I ain't been like that, I can say and do whatever I want. There is no such thing. So Tachach over here would be in order, but the sun... You would think Tachacha is after somebody does something bad. It's after he throws the wallet overboard and after he ripped the clothing and spit at him. You would, that's a classic case. He just mavazes somebody to rob him. Why isn't he hiding Tachacha? The answer is he is, but the child should not be giving it. That's clear in the Mahaber. A bystander should try to restrain them and talk to them and try to work on the relationship, but that's not the child's uh, duty right now. And that's uh, an important thing for uh, children to understand. Again, if it's ongoing and it's so abusive the child can't have anything to do with the parents or the parents are Sham Gemurim, Later on, the Mechaber talks about the general chiv of kibbutz for a parent who's a rasha. Sif Yudches, Mamzer. Mamzer has a lot of tainus. Huge. And he comes to this world, and if he's from, wakes up one day and learns about the halachas, and he realizes his parents uh, really uh, gave him a serious handicap in life. Not insurmountable. Mamzer Tamachacham goes for kind of lamarts, but it's a severe handicap. And the Mechaber says, Mamzer Chayev Echledov Maror, it's Chayev in Covenant, Yira, Afilu Hayav of Rosh Abalavayas Mechabdo Mitzyari Mimenu. We Americans look at that, they messed him up for life and he has to be Mechabedim. The Mechaber says, you got to try. The Ramah, it's Mechabed Hashem. The Ramah says, Yesham Deinam Mechayev Lechabedov of Rosh Elam Kenos HaTshuva. And it could be they did Tshuva already. Could be it was a one-time affair and they did Tshuva, it was 20 years ago. And even in that, the Shach says that you have to be careful because even the Ramos Mekel says there's no chiv covered for a parent as a Russia, but you can't be a mavaz of them. <coughs> it's in a situation where they're just not functioning and it's hazardous for them. So then, if you can't handle it or they have to be restrained or get physical, then you must get somebody else. That's not the role of a child. That's where you get uh, somebody to come help out, but you don't write it off either. You still come visit. We don't know at the end of the day, just like you visit somebody in the hospital, Loyaleno, and the doctor says they can't hear a thing. I've been in hospital rooms with very, very ill patients, and their family members standing around the top of the lungs talking about the Leviah in front of the guy. I walked in once. I said, gentlemen, can you please step out in the hallway, like way down the hall, like maybe a different state? <laughs> You're killing the guy. They say, the doctor says he doesn't hear anything. I said, the doctor doesn't know what he hears. Doctors know it. So you, you have a situation where you, you think they don't understand, which might be true, but mechatesi. So doctors try to measure it and they try their best, but nobody really knows. If they're smiling and they look happy, so you're saying, why do we have a case where whatever I do, they look happy and they smile? Okay, so then you can do what you want. They talk, I clearly don't know what's going on, then it's fine. But if they have this one Mishagas and they keep harping on this and uh, a guy asked me, his father was in, the, was in an elderly uh, care facility. Keep, the name keeps changing due to political correctness. I don't remember what, I don't know what we're holding now exactly, but he was in a facility. And it's interesting because this story you've all heard of, and it keeps repeating itself across uh, many different lines and different. Um, uh, I've heard it by Sfarim Ashkenazim, Haimisha. He makes Kiddush Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, makes Kiddush every morning. 
insists on making kiddush with the kaisha bracha, with all the hidurim, with the stem overflowing sometimes, havdalah. And you try to tell him it's Tuesday, why are you making kiddush? So, Baruch Hashem, the thing that remains in his mind is Dvarim Shepard Kedusha. That's wonderful. It's not wonderful, but it looks ridiculous in the situation, but it's better than the alternative. So, that's what I'm getting to. So, it gets to be very nervous. Uh, hospital staff complains. Uh, they ask you, what about the wine? Sometimes he sips it, it's not good for him. So, okay, so that's where it can get dangerous. But let's say he's only having a Lugma Beach time as he used to in the good old days, and he likes making kiddush. So he, if he's not in his right mind, he's not over the Yisra Baruch You should not answer Amen. If this is what he likes, you certainly don't have to start physically restraining him and taking it away if he's going to get upset if he's not in the right mind, not in the right mind. So Kiddush should be the worst thing. So I just use examples. I've had that example many times. An interesting thing how, uh, how there, was a, there was a famous Godel in America, it's not Lashon Hara, but I don't have to mention the name, who was involved in a famous Machlekes, L'Shem uh, Shemayim. It was a well-known two days on an issue. And his... Uh, less part, less proof of his life, he, he was a bit senile, and when you walked into his study, people used to still visit him, he's a well-known person, all you'd hear was a chazar of these few machlegsim, over and over and over and over and over again. Well-known. So, Baruch Hashem, that's the sign of a godly Israel. Even when you lose it, what, what sticks with you is what's important for you. So, again, if it's not damaging, then uh, you could just let it go. Yeah? Machlegsim, and so forth, but that includes if the father go to a Ferris wheel or whatever. How's that keep it of aim? The classic is what you just mentioned, and that is it's positive action to bring them places, to feed them, to clothe them. Mother calls up. She wants a daughter. She wants to go to Macy's. So there it's complicated because if she's married, she's mishupit to the husband. So if she'll get home on time and supper will still be there where the husband says, you know what, I'll stop by the takeout. Please go service your mother. You'll have a good time which is a smart thing for the husband to say. One husband started telling me, it's not the din, look at Shulchan Aruch. I said, I know what it says in Shulchan Aruch. It, I know he's mishubit to you, and you're, if you're smart and you want to stay married, you'll let her go wherever she wants. Okay, that's just an aside. So going to Macy's might be Malbashayu, but let's say she's not. She just likes shopping, and she wants to go, and this is her way to get out, and she wants to do it to take her. That's classic kibbutz. Kibbutz means helping them in a physical, tangible way get to where they want to go. So I, I don't see why the Ferris wheel would be different. The classic examples are Machem Ashkeu because time of the Gemara, you were happy if you got that done and no one was going to Coney Island Avenue. So there weren't too many examples like where is she going. Today, I, it's just a way of physically, as opposed to the era where it's not being said to the and not sitting in the seat and, and all those things. So yes, I think that's classic Darais that keep it of aim of a parent calls you up, they want to go to the bank. They can go to the bank themselves, they can't go to the bank themselves, they want you to come, they get all confused with the teller, they want you to come. That's classic, uh, that's the Darais. That's not a, that's not a, a, a told of an av. I think that's the classic case of uh, taking them around. Okay, the Mechaber. In Sifya Dalad, parents who are fighting often uh, have to uh, unfortunately get the children involved. It's the worst thing you could do, and then the child has these shilas. Otherwise, it really wouldn't come up. But in a benign sense, Aviv, Aymerloi, Hashkeni, Mayim. Let's talk about where there's no fight yet. What's the din, just the chronological order of how to do the mitzvah? The ima Ameris, Hashkeni, Mayim. Father asks for a cup of water, the mother asks for a cup of water. Maneach, Ima, Vesibikavit, Aviv. You should take care of his father first because the mother is technically Mishabed to the father. Again, if the father's smart, he might say take care of your mother first. Uh, but that's the, uh, the Midas and Shalom Bayes issue. Technically, the Shibud 
is there to the father, then it takes care of his mother. And the Mahabra goes on to say, if uh, the Gerishon already happened, he could take his pick. Now, this comes up a lot. You have different Shibudim and different Chiyuvim and different relationships. You have to know, hopefully it doesn't come up too often, but when it does, you have to know what the pecking order is. Uh, later on, the Ramah discusses whether there's a Chiyuv of covet for the grandfather. So he quotes a Shita, not based on a Rashi. There's a Rashi in Makkas that uh, there's a Diak. He says the Shita that yes. And then he says, Maker, then we pass in the rears, but it's not the same as the father. So what happens where the father asks for something? It's a cup of oranges. And then the grandfather asks for a cup of oranges. What's the din? So the din is you serve the father first. Over there, the father's mukhayiv to serve as the grandfather. So why aren't the. Anybody remember the transitive property of geometry? Uh, yeah, right? A equals B and B equals C. So why don't you have to go serve as the grandfather? And the answer is you don't. Because you're the rechiv to your father. He is a chiv to his father. He should be telling you, go serve Zaidi, but either he is or he's not. It's not your business. So, same thing with the mother and the father. Technically, your mother has something, the father has something. You know what to do. The father and the mother should figure out themselves who's going to be Michael and whose direction. Um, most of the time, when this comes up, and he has to already ask a shaylis because the parents are not yet divorced but working on it. And it's a question of power it's a question of the struggle and the kids are unfortunately getting involved the worst thing you, do, you could do to children usually when I say that it's usually so out of control that uh, no one's listening but as parents it's important to know back to the Tzachach issue if you know somebody going through this and this usually unfortunately can last for years before there is a get and hopefully they can avoid that and they're using them as pawns and the the children are very very serious and they really want to know what to do the issue I mentioned with the therapist before, the therapists sometimes tell the children that it's your parents' fault and they turn the kids against the parents. Sometimes it's necessary, often it's damaging. It's important for the therapists and the friends and anybody else to get involved to give Musa to the parents they're not doing the right thing, even though Lomaisa, what they're asking for, the kids now have a chiyav. It's not letting the parents off the hook from their being civil and their chiyuvim. It's a question of now, this is what's being asked, then the kids have to react. They can't just say, well, uh, I'm interested because they're asking too much of me and it's not fair, which is a common, as the generations go further, people have rights and kids like exercising those rights and people sometimes reinforce it and it's, uh, it's against Shachan That's the problem. Yes? Children of Ali Shuva, the parents ask them to come to some event that might not be kosher or might not that's a, it's a built-in uh, built problem and it comes up all the time there are a lot of things you could say you have to say no to you should be saying no to and there are certain things which are not your cup of tea but they're so few and far between the cases you could say yes that it's important to capitalize on them for instance Ramesh has a chuva about Thanksgiving dinner he's not too happy about it he has a serious struggle of three different chuvas about and he holds that uh, is anything that doesn't make sense, even if you don't know that it's rooted in Avodah It might be rooted in Avodah So Amisha, what many people take is double posture that is mutter. It's just a national holiday to say thank you. What could be un-Jewish about that? Amisha says, yeah, that's fine. Saying thank you is great. But the chicken, the turkey, the, the cranberries, chicken, turkey, cranberries, and whatever else uh, goes along is nonsensical and therefore makes it a chayk. Ramesha leans one way in one chuva. The end of it, he's not thrilled about it. doesn't outright oser it. Others are more mekel. Others don't even see the shayla. They assume it's double pasha. It's oser. Uh, the two holidays coming up, it's a good season to speak about that, that nobody has picked Pokemon. One is Memorial Day. Uh, 
you want to have some covered for our uh, finest in uniform and the sacrifices they made, then that's uh, wonderful. They want you over for a barbecue. So someone said a tiny to me that uh, I can't go for a barbecue Memorial Day. That's Mamash Kuko saying this is all of America's barbecuing. I said, this is where, uh, this is where you have to be makel. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't think it's a mitzvah to dafka go, go barbecuing, but if your parents want you to come, what's mutter is mutter, you don't start a fight. Even Thanksgiving, I'm makel in this situation because the Maishu HaMashu doesn't ask the camera. There are others who are even more makel. Uh, July 4th, I'm not saying you should participate in the fireworks. You don't have to be with the culture, but if they want you to come and shoot some in the backyard, use what, what's mutter is mutter. The difficulty becomes when uh, they're inviting you to uh, simchas, what we would call a simcha, but it's not always a simcha, and, um, but they want you to come and uh, nobody's dressed, or they wanted to be, but they forgot to get dressed in the morning, it happens all the time, and they came out to the, and that's where it gets very difficult. Uh, I, I had a case recently, I told the, uh, the daughter to go without her husband, which her parents weren't too happy about, but at least somebody came. When the husband's the son, that's a little harder to do, but you obviously try hakala kaltchila and send uh, send the girls first and the women first. They have it's not a great environment for them, but they have less issues of shmir senayim. And then the older men, last resort is the bachrim. Leave them home, and I might even say that for many of our chasnas. Uh, but that's a different shmuz. I might say they're going, but they have to know when to go and how long to stay and where they should be hanging around. I was discussing it this morning with the uh, people. Forget there's a machaber that says the farish that's a mitzvah of him, some other chasna kala, and there's an issue to look at the kala. The farish had been. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I, I mentioned that because I had a few bacharim telling me, no, no, they learned the sukkim subas, the mitzvah of mechava baila. Gotta look at her, and then you tell them. I don't know where, what planet they came from, um, but uh, there's a there's an inyan and kala, but it should be done in a sneezdik way and a farish mechaber. In the non-from area, what they think is dressed in proper attire is by us the first 20% of getting dressed in the morning. And that's, um, that's an issue which you can't be make on, uh, certainly for people who are going to be uh, more uh, susceptible to the, to the matzav. Uh, I will tell you, I'm surprised to even get the shayla, but I try not to show the surprise because you don't want to embarrass anybody who's asking a shayla because you want them to ask shaylas. I've received many times people asking, I have a cousin who's marrying uh, somebody from a different um, religion. Uh, I want to know why uh, my parents want me to come to the wedding. This is not, probably sure it's not one common child. Uh, I want to, can I go? I'm glad they asked. The answer is no. Uh, forget the sneers, forget the banana, he's not eating, forget the night food. You can't, that's like being invited to somebody should, with an invitation at 6 o'clock we're having the, uh, the, pre, the pre-game ritzicha and at 7 o'clock we're going to do the Maisa ritzicha. We'd like you to come and watch. And, um, and yes, there'll be blood all over the place, but we're going to celebrate and dance and we'd like you to join us. They don't look at it that way, obviously, and Tinek Shanish, but I don't expect them to, but that's what you're doing. And that applies in the office. You have colleagues that are Jewish and want to come. I, I don't think there's any... Uh, do you have to lose your job over that for an office colleague? I don't know. If that comes up, ask a Shaila. But uh, it's, it's a serious... Uh, remember, I saw somebody orthodox there. How bad can intermarriage be? Saw a guy with the Yamaka. Yes? that issue coming to me sometimes uh, clients coming to me mm-hmm. they're proud to show me that they have a Jewish son-in-law and they even show a picture of yeah. and what should be my uh, as a client I cannot tell him that was an awful thing to do right but you cannot agree that the child is beautiful yeah how do you go about this yeah so I it's a good question it happens all the time unfortunately in America like 50% plus and uh, you can't say Mazel Tov you can't say congratulations 
You can't say it should be with a lot of success. Success means in the three years they're going to be divorced. <laughs> that's, uh, that's about the stats you know, in a situation like that. Uh, you, you, know, you have to tell them what success means. Uh, and that's already a, a big cool because it sounds like you're agreeing to it. Um, and uh, somebody who understands where you're coming from, you should you can give a bracha like, uh, I hope that they find their way in life and that they have uh, proper derech in life. I hope you can say that in English. But uh, to smile and say, oh, what a sweet-looking couple, and that's uh, unbelievable and gewaldic, and he's probably not going to know what gewaldic means, but uh, that you can't do. We, can't, we, we forget we're so, again, we're in America too long. It's Maisim Chayan, so we're desensitized to it, and that's a, that's a problem. Yeah? What uh, Israel is, is attending? It's not an Israel. It's not Levni because they get married anyway. It's not even Messiah because they're not calling up for Edus, I hope. Uh, it's, you're giving a Hechshashtel. It's not lost when people invite or disinvite certain people to different things, whether it be a party, whether it be a simcha, whether it be a meeting. There are a lot of intonations on why he is here or is not here. When a guy with a yarmulke shows up, and uh, one guy with a long beard and pay has told me he's wearing a baseball cap. It's not going to be a problem. So, <laughs> guy shows up and they know he's from, and he's watching and he's smiling, and, and he's intermarrying, or she's intermarrying. That sends a very strong message that this is not as bad as it used to be. People used to sit shiva. That's getting lost also. That was, that was kept for a long, long time. Uh, the reason, the argument why that's getting lost is that it was, it was done as a deterrent. So we react so strongly, it won't happen, and today it's not stopping anybody. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. To take a mini gisrael like that, or a di- throw it out, but the point is, we're losing our sensitivity, and it just reinforces that it's really not that bad, we sort of understand, and as long as they're happy, and, you know, and that's not our position. That even though they're far gone, and when they marry Jewish, unfortunately, sometimes it's a coincidence. They happen to meet somebody on the campus who happened to be Jewish, but it's still a tragedy. And to go and smile and show up for pictures to a, to a tragedy like that is, uh, is a problem. Yes? Sorry, it just happened like uh, I was on an airplane and sitting next to like, somebody and he said, you're Jewish, I'm dating a Jewish girl. So what, what you got to try to talk him off of it? Or just... Rabbi Yankov was on, wants to ask, a very important shayla for Kirov. He was asked by one of the Kirov organizations who is spending a lot of time and money on stopping intermarriages, which, we, which they're still doing. And they have uh, literature they give out of campuses, and it's a whole movement. And somebody else says, Bianchi, he says, you know, on paper, I don't really understand what we're doing. This is probably what you're asking. Because to say this uh, delicately, um, the Isser to marry a non Jewish lady is whatever the Isser, it's horrible. Karis me divrei Kabbalah, Pasuk in Yecheskel, it's a whole Sugi in Sanhedrin. But it's not a Pasuk in Chumish. Zionumus, maybe yeah, maybe not. Bachlikus, Amarim. He's going to get married to this Jewish lady, and this is going to be a kares vaday lecholaday. It's a pasuk in Chumash. It's a good question. I was asked We're spending all this time and money, all this focus, and we're taking him from the frying pan into the fire. What are we doing? Akasha on the whole uh, system. No, we normally try to stop intermarriages. Like good trailer. So you need Rabbi Yankov to say this, because nobody else can say. You need broad soldiers, broad soldiers to say this answer. But this is the minig. He said that, no, you should keep doing what you're doing. It's a, it's a chesed for people. He said, even though on paper it's worse than their present matzav to get married the way they are, and this, this conversation took place 40 years ago. Now they're not getting married and they were together anyway, so whatever. But assuming then it was, it was going to cause the problem of getting married, 
On paper, you're right. But Lamaisa, once he marries a non-Jewish lady, at the end of the line for him, and there's always tshuva, but it's much more difficult. And that's it. And that's the end of the line for his Yiddishkeit and his Hemshech. Marries a Jewish lady, to be Makaira, both of them is a lot easier. It's not easy, but a lot easier. And, and there's a Hemshech. There's hope for the next generation if they don't do tshuva. And therefore, you sometimes, often in Kirov, have to look at the grand scheme of things and figure out what you are not doing. So even though right now it's directly from Ivory, you're causing a bigger Avera, but you have to look at the bigger picture. I'm just so. sitting next to me for the next two hours, so I was thinking, what's my option? You know, I should have to put him next to me. Oh, married. keep him in conversation and talk about um, Hashem and uh, religion. I have a, um, I have a pocket of Terra that I always uh, carry around. It's not in my pocket, it's in my head. But uh, you'll use it. I've used it on taxi drivers and on airplanes. And uh, it's, a, it's a one minute. Normally, you can't hold them for two hours. And um, so you might have 10 seconds to just get them interested. You can hold them for the next 20 minutes. So uh, you, you ask him, uh, he knows about kosher. He's a Jewish boy. Yeah, sure. I don't keep it, but I know it's kosher, non-kosher. And you tell him, you know, in the list of the birds, there's a non-kosher bird called the chasidah. So um, Rashi there says, why is she called the chasidah? She does chesed with her friends. Everybody asks them, she knew, so she'd be a kosher bird. The answer is no, she only does chesed with her friends. But people she doesn't know, like the guy sitting next to you in the airplane, she doesn't talk to. It's a very powerful vote. It takes 10 seconds to say the whole kasha teres, the rashi, the posik, the whole thing. And it sends a message to him, which we have to really, they've been brainwashed the other way, that uh, from people, Haredim, Orthodox, they don't care, they don't think you're Jewish, they don't care about you. With one, with one dvar terah, I've used it many times and it like ended up being hours of conversation. They were so fascinated by the whole concept. And, but really what's going on emotionally is that I care about you and we believe we're not like the, the stork and we actually care about people we don't know. So you can always find something to engage them, but keep them engaged. Is that probably the only two hours that you're going to have with him. I was once on a plane to Chicago. I was sitting next to uh, a kid. I looked in his early 20s. He struck up a conversation. Sure enough, as fate would have it, he was Jewish, and he was a university student in uh, one of the Ivy League colleges, I believe. And uh, he was sitting there, typing in computer, working on his portfolio. He's a very sophisticated-looking guy. So I uh, looked intelligent, and I engaged him in conversation. And two minutes in the conversation, this is classic. And I was ready for it because I've done this before. Uh, I told him I was a rabbi. He said, oh, and he was very respectful. He said, oh, rabbi, like, can we talk about some Jewish issues? Now, Jewish issues to him is not what we're talking about here in Shulchan Aruch. So I knew what was coming is either saving the whales or climate, climate control or, you know, or global warming and things, you know, things, real Jewish issues, not Shulchan Aruch, you know, like uh, Nebuch. So, um, so one of the first questions he asked me, this is many years ago, was uh, what am I doing? He asked me, as a rabbi, as a leader, what am I doing about the nuclear threat? So I said, first, I told him, I said, you sound like you're from, still from the 60s. And he wasn't in the 1960s. So I would have been sitting next to him on a plane. Um, so I said, you really worried about this? He said, yeah, yeah. And we have a whole, on, on the campus, we have a whole discussion about uh, disarmament. And Obama's still talking about it. So it has to be still in vogue. And um, he, uh, he's concerned about it. He wants to know what the Jewish view is and what we're doing about it. So I told him, I said, it's, it's certainly a concern. There are about 101 things that keep me up at night. On my list, this would be 106. It's like I fell off the moon. He said, Rabbi, you're not worried about this? I said, I'm not such a Baal Bitochen. I'm worried about a lot of things. Uh, this is not one of them. 
he never heard such a concept like that. He said, no, we have to, I'm not saying it's, it happens to be probably better if we get rid of a lot of them, at least if we have the enemy get rid of a lot of them, and we can keep ours. Uh, but in terms of engaging them, in terms of uh, using an opportunity, you have to be able to discuss something that's important to them. But I gave them a whole sheer on war and peace and uh, defensive measures and halachas and ashkafas and uh, you know, I kept him for two hours, and you could do the same, and uh, without all the marmakamas, but you could still do the same. And, um, and usually, you make sure to exchange cards, today emails, and you keep in touch with them. And I have a whole group of many, many people I've met on planes who we're still in contact with. And that's a chiv of arbis. That's a chiyat You can't say, why aren't you keeping kosher? There's no direct chiyat achiyach, but it's building the relationship, which is basic. You were saying you were talking to a non-Jew who was going to marry yes. a Jew. Yes. Saying, oh, I thought you were talking about to the Jewish party. Okay, well, let's go back. You're talking to the non-Jew, and he told you he's marrying a Jewish lady? Oh, okay. That's uh, a little bit more difficult. What you could do is um, get the prokim, Roshay prokim from him in terms of Nivimir Holchim. There's a 50% chance she's not Jewish, by the way. He thinks she- How are you supposed to interact with somebody who's not... If you have a Jewish person who's dating somebody in there, and they're not from, but he's going to convert, like, while they're dating... The problem, the, the, the problem is not, problem is not while they're dating. The in a conversion process, we're makel on one big thing, which the Gemara says is also do l'chatchilu, and that is you can't convert the shame marriage, if that's what's motivating you. We're actually makel on that. If we're going to save the other neshama and they're both going to be from, it's going to be a real gerus. The problem with ninety-nine percent of these cases is that it's not actually a real gerus because they're not going to be makabel more mitzvahs than their boyfriend is doing, and he's not doing any of them. That's why he's going out with her. Not going to be more firm than the person they're with. By and large, it happens once in a while, but uh, that's rare. So the Gairis is Batul Mavutul, there's no Kabbalah's mitzvahs. For sure. That's the, uh, that's the issue. And that, that's a bigger issue. So there's nothing really to, to do over there. I, I've, I've dealt with cases like this where they were already married and they were a family unit and they were actually very interested in keeping it going and one was becoming from and therefore they, they were interested in pursuing it. So it was not Lashmo, it was Lashain Ishus, but there was real Kabbalah's mitzvahs. Um, almost out of time, so we'll take one more. Can I just go off topic? Can I yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I shouldn't mention much, but uh, there are children that are born 